podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Yeed, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. We're back after last week's Q&A episode. Sam, are you excited to know that this week I am requiring you to think less? Um, it's funny, isn't it? I have to think more about my own life uh, rather than I do about Formula One. So yeah, Formula One is second nature. My life is a nightmare. There you go. Well, that's a Ooh. that's a cheery intro to the, to yeah. the podcast. Welcome along, everyone. Hello, listeners. <laughs> oh, well, I feel uh, I feel quite sad now. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, but... Sorry, so I was going to say, Harry, because of you, we've moved this, and I've eaten my pizza a day early in the week, and I'm a little bit thrown off, to be honest. It's thrown you right off. Yeah, apologies. I mean, people listening, this won't make any difference, but we're recording this on a Tuesday, so all my moaning about editing on a Wednesday night's gone right out the window, because it's now a Tuesday night. Ruined. So um, if uh, <laughs> Sam's boss is listening, um, firstly, thank you very much. Uh, and that'll be why Sam hasn't turned up to work on Friday, because he thinks it's Saturday now. <laughs> and you can blame, blame Harry Eid. I actually will do that, though. That's the thing. My brain will go, we recorded two days ago. It must be must be Friday today. So, yeah, there you go, folks. When I get fired from my actual job, it's Harry's fault. I mean, let, shh, I mean, internal podcast discussion here. We, we could have just not said anything, because it's going to go out at the same time. So we've just wasted yeah. two minutes of everyone's lives here, haven't we? Team, we team waste an hour from... of their lives every every. Week. You bring a great point <laughs> along to the party, Sam. I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, we've got plenty to discuss um, after last week's Q and A. So we're going to be looking at George Russell, his approach for the 2022 season, how he handles the pressure of the Mercedes seat. Carlos Sainz did Red Bull waste uh, his years? Um, did they miss out on a potential great driver? Uh, we're going to be discussing that one. Have the last few years proven Red Bull wrong? We're going to play F1 Alphabeti to round out the show. And yes, of course, there will be a jingle attached, as always. But firstly, we're going to look at the 2022 driver lineups. Of course, we've got exactly the same 10 teams as we did last year. And we're going to look at our top threes here. So I'm going to start with you, Sam. If you wouldn't mind giving us from third down to first, who do you think has the best lineup and why? Uh, so my third best lineup um, is tricky because I actually think there are some very strong lineups, especially at the top of the field. Um, and I, this one has got maybe some debate to it, some kind of variables. And this is why it's third. Third place is McLaren. Lando Norris is looking mighty, right? He's every season coming along stronger and stronger and stronger, really looking like he's a, a proper front-end driver now. He's, he's owning that McLaren team. He runs that McLaren team. Um, a team leader for years to come, I'm sure. The likes of uh, Big Zach, um, not a fan, but a whole aircon conditioning unit. You know, I'm sure he's sitting there hoping. Um, oh, and you can't make that <laughs> comparison again in the oh, space of a month. <laughs> I will make it every time he gets brought up. Um, yeah, you know, I'm hoping that Zach believes that Lando's going to stick around for a long time. And then, of course, Daniel Ricciardo, who is, what, an eight-time race winner. Um, the guy has shown absolute brilliant since behind a race car late braking is partially down to his ability to absolutely lick the stamp and send it down the inside and i'm hoping that because of a bit of a reset with the regulations that ricardo is actually going to level the playing field somewhat come back to the standard we know he can be um and do a really solid job for mclaren so mclaren third that's for sure second place is mercedes um lewis hamilton is if you if he turns up folks um, is Lewis Hamilton, um, you know, eight, sorry, seven-time world champion. And, uh, you know, I don't need to, we don't need to question what he can do. We know what he can do. Uh, the, the variable, again, on the Mercedes aspect is George Russell, right? We've never really seen him at the front. He's had one proper go at it, and it wasn't the best race in the world because it was at Spa, and he was still driving that Williams, and he, you know, he never even got to, I bet you all thought I was going to talk about Bahrain then, didn't you? The outer loop. Um... 
which of course he also did very well in over to Bottas in an absolutely brilliant manoeuvre. But, you know, we've seen him buckle under pressure a little bit. You know, the, the, think about the two Italian Grand Prix where he was in, in the points. Think about Austria, where it looked like a really solid start. Then suddenly he was off in the gravel. We don't know how he's going to cope at a front team with the pressure of Lewis Hamilton alongside him for a whole season. I'm sure he'll come good, right? He's an incredibly successful driver so far in his career. Theoretically, it should be strong. But there are variables, so that's why it's only second. First place, and it won't be the drivers that muck this up for them. It will definitely be the strategists and everyone else involved. Ferrari have the best driver line in terms of overall consistency, raw speed, the ability to manage a car, uh, pull a result out of maybe a difficult position. We saw Carlos Sainz qualify outside the top 10 multiple times last season and we're just finishing the points relentlessly, of course, to come back and beat Leclerc. Leclerc had a few issues, of course, with DNFs, reliability. I know he can iron those out. He's beaten Sebastian Vettel a couple of times already. The guy is Moses Leclerc and will reclaim the God Leclerc title <laughs> very soon, I'm sure. Ferrari look, you know... They look magnificent in terms of just their driver lineup, both physically, because they are just wonderful to look at. Two rather handsome young men. And um, in terms of driving ability, you know, ferocious in terms of speed. So if the mechanics could just nail the strategy and get the wheels on the car at a standard time and get it back out the pit lane, <laughs> they could be absolutely... Well, you know, that's the best joke of the podcast. Yeah. They could actually be a real challenger if they get it right. So there's my top three. My top three driver pairings in strength order third to first. All right, so McLaren in third, Mercedes in second, and then Ferrari first is Sam's top three. We'll go through uh, Harry's top three, then my top three, then we'll discuss some of the differences that we may or may not have. Harry, from third to first. Um, I'm with Sam uh, in that this is quite a tricky tricky task here. I think for me, and I know you said top three, but and I will do a top three, but I think there are four teams that are vying for this. There's Macca mentioned, Mercedes also mentioned, Ferrari. Uh, I think you cannot uh, rule out Red Bull either. So, it's a bit of variety. Third place for me, I'm going to go with Red Bull because, you know, even if Perez isn't at the level of Max Verstappen, you have Max Verstappen in that team. Um, and I think Perez is going to be better this year anyway. I think he'll carry on the form we saw t- towards the end of 2021. Um, but I'll put them in third because, you know, they're both not necessarily operating at that same level. Second, agreeing with Sam on this one, going to put Mercedes. If we knew a little bit more about what George Russell's going to be like in a in a top car, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be good. But we had just haven't seen enough of it, so I'll, I'll put him second. But that is a very strong lineup for for twenty twenty two. It can't be denied. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with Sam again. Who knows what's going to happen with that Ferrari this year? I, for the love of God, I really, really hope they're back in the mix um, and that they are competent and that they know what a strategy is. Uh, I live in eternal hope, but. Because I only live in eternal hope because they do have the best driver lineup in my opinion. As a as a combination, as a pair, I think that is such a good lineup. And you know, we said it last year, even when we knew they weren't. Well, we don't we don't know now, but even when it was guaranteed they weren't going to be in a championship fight, we've all said that, that it's a good lineup. So um, yeah, I think just Ferrari need to get it right, and I think they could be on to a winner. They'll mess it up somehow, but I think they've got the best lineup. Going into 2022. Interesting. So you're first and second place exactly the same as Sam, and you've got Ferrari first and Mercedes second. Uh, but your third place is different, that you've got Red Bull in there rather than McLaren. That is correct. Good news, everyone. We don't all agree. So that Yay. that's a good start. I don't have the same top three as either of you. So, um, How's incoming? Yeah, well, you know, I do rate myself some Mick Schumacher, so um, no. <laughs> I am not going to introduce any brand new names into the fold. I think you are right in the four that you've introduced to this point, um, but it's just the ordering of them that I'm going to slightly mess up a little bit. So, um, whereas you've got Ferrari in first, both of you, I've got Ferrari in third um, for this year's lineup. Um, I agree with what you say in that they are probably consistently the best lineup on the grid. Um, and I think they complement each other well, perhaps more than the two ahead um, that I've got here. But yeah, they, they seem to do well in the respect that Charles Leclerc has these fantastic uh, showcase performances where he seems to be on this different level. 
Um, you know, I'm thinking back to Britain specifically in 2021. There are times where Leclerc does look untouchable. And Carlos Sainz has an element of consistency that is right up there with the best in Formula One. So I do believe those two elements, they do combine quite well when you're putting together a, a team. The reason I don't have Ferrari higher than third is because I don't believe they have an outright star. Um, I think there are two drivers in Formula One that are head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, and I don't think Ferrari have either of them. So that's why I've got them third and no higher than that. Uh, in second, I'm going to put Red Bull. Um, and this is uh, a tough one because it's difficult to know where Sergio Perez is going to be in his second year. But there were definitely signs towards the end of last year that he is improving in his role. We can't forget that just two years ago, Sergio Perez was working wonders in the racing point seat. So... I think Perez is a very solid driver. He does still need to improve a bit more, which is why I haven't got this team first. But Max Verstappen is, over the last couple of years, just absolutely incredible. He was the best driver in 2021, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, that makes a very good team. Uh, the reason they're not higher is because as good as you know, Perez was towards the end of the season... They didn't win the Constructors' Championship despite winning the Drivers' Championship, which you've got to raise question marks when you win one but not the other. So I've got Red Bull second. And then in first place, I've got Mercedes. I appreciate the legitimate concerns that people have about George Russell because we are talking about a guy that has only had Nicholas Latifi and Robert Kubica as teammates we are talking about someone who's never been in a car that's better than about eighth on the grid um it's tough so it's tough to judge someone like that who has been in that position for quite a long time but i do not have doubts about george russell i think they have found themselves a star and i think he's going to prove that's the case you know we'll get into plenty of um debate in later podcasts about uh, teammate wars and about constructors championship predictions and where that goes but I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, he's going to be competitive. I, I think they have got themselves a star here and I think he will get up to speed early on. Uh, naturally, you know, the challenge of having Esteban Gutierrez as your teammate is, is not going to be easy for him. Um, <laughs> and he may have to factor in if Lewis Hamilton comes back. But I think he can rise above that and actually, and actually deliver the performances. Um, and... There is one really important reason I think Mercedes do have the best lineup, and that's because I'm British and I have massive British bias. So, um, apologies, everyone. I can't help myself. Oh, the sash. Uh oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. I, I, sh I should. Uh, I forgot to put the parental lock on the, uh, on the soundboard, so unfortunately, these two morons still have access to it. Um, never mind. So I, I've gone for a slightly different top three compared to compared to you two. Um, Sam, I want to come to you because you're the only one who didn't have Red Bull in the top three. Why not? Max Verstappen's washed, isn't he? Ah, good, good answer that, yeah. yeah. Just to even out so, that British bias there. Just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm really glad that, listeners, you are fully aware that we're taking the mickey and having a laugh um, and we're not too serious about these things. We've got some guys no, from no, 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 that ben, ben, Ben's really <laughs> Brexit Ben. Brexit Ben. <laughs> Wait, I'm literally waving um, the Union Jack in my seat as <laughs> as, I, is, as I'm talking. Yeah, he's wearing it as a towel. Um, yeah. <laughs> Max Verstappen is obviously uh, an absolute talent, generational talent, and if is given the car, uh, I don't see why he couldn't go on to be one of the most successful drivers Formula One's ever seen. Right. Um, the thing is, it's Sergio Perez now. I think that Daniel Ricciardo is better than Sergio Perez on both on their good days. And I'm hoping that in my trajectory here, Daniel Ricciardo takes that step back up. Uh, and I don't think Perez will continue to really improve. I think he'll stay at a very similar level to what he did last year. And therefore, Norris is closer to Verstappen than Ricciardo is further ahead of um of Perez. So the gap between Ricardo and Perez is bigger to me than the gap between Norris and Verstappen. So that's, for me, the simple reason as to why uh, McLaren just edging front of um, of Red Bull. But I do think that Ferrari and um, Mercedes, as a pairing, are comfortably the clear best two on the grid. 
Would you say that, because uh, obviously we're basing this off partly what we've already seen, but also predicting what we might see in the case of George Russell particularly. Um, so with, you, you say Daniel Ricciardo, if he takes that step back forwards to where he was, from Lando Norris's yeah. perspective, do you see him also contributing to that? Do you think he gets a little bit closer to the top few in F1? Lando Norris is so early on in his career. Let's not forget that he is still one of the absolute youngest on the grid. He's, what, how early? Is he, what, 21? Lando Norris is ridiculously young for F1 driving. He's had so much success already, very much in the same vein of Max Verstappen. So I think he's got another four, five, six years before he fully matures into like the absolute pinnacle. We saw it with Lewis Hamilton, didn't we? Lewis Hamilton only really hit his absolute best in, what, 2017? 2018, that's when we saw the absolute best of Lewis Hamilton. And I wouldn't be surprised if Max Verstappen and Lando Norris are on the very much the same wavelength as that, the same trajectory. Um, and I think Norris is going to continue improving. He's got such a positive atmosphere around him. The environment is brilliant. He's being nurtured, supported. Um, I don't think he feels any stress about the team that he's in. He's allowed to express himself both on and off the track properly. I really think that Norris is going to continue to evolve into a, an absolute star of a talent in Formula 1. So... Yeah, I think, much like Ricardo, I expect Ricardo to take that step forward again. I think Norris is just going to keep getting better, which might be a little bit worrying for Ricardo because two seasons in, in this relationship, Norris could just be well off down the road in terms of how much better he's actually become. So um, because of that, yeah, I think they have just got the edge over Red Bull in terms of an overall package for both their drivers combined. And just uh, going back to Ferrari, actually, Harry, you, you obviously got them first. Do you believe that of the pairings that we've mentioned here, they are perhaps the best complementary pair, even if not the best individual drivers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, <laughs> I guess they are. It is, is um, with with Gutierrez and uh, and uh, Russell. <laughs> no, with Hamilton <laughs> and Russell, it's so it's so um, hard to know what that's going to be like. But um, you know. If it gets to a, I, I, I'm not saying Hamilton would be rattled, but if it gets to a point where Russell is is matching, challenging in any way, then that's not going to be the same necessarily the same relationship that he had with Bottas previously. Um, and you know, with with Perez and, and Verstappen, I think they are they do complement each other, but I think the gap in between them is just a bit more than it is with um, Sainz and Leclerc. I don't know. It's interesting with Sainz and Leclerc because. If they are in a position this year to fight for a championship, maybe that you know my my prediction there goes out the window because they're going to get more serious about trying to beat each other, and it'll be less about the team and it'll be more about fighting for a championship or fighting for wins. So at, at the moment, yeah, I think they are the most comp- complementary pairing, but I think that could change really quickly if uh, if the circumstances change. If we're looking a bit further back, um, away from the sort of four teams that we've already discussed, I mean, one team I would look and say they could be the most improved team, um, at least in terms of the driver lineup, uh, would be AlphaTauri, and I think it's largely dependent on what we get from Yuki Tsunoda. You know, Pierre Gasly's been very consistent since he was demoted back to the team. Yuki Tsunoda, very very similar to, to Perez, I guess, although Perez didn't have the same sort of struggles as Tsunoda did. Similar to him, though, Tsunoda's best performances came towards the end of the year. Obviously, had the uh, P5, was it, at Abu Dhabi? Um, but it, that wasn't the only one. There were some other pretty good qualifying performances towards the end of the year from Tsunoda. So if he continues that on, that could be a case potentially for, for most improved. Sam, would you offer up any different names from those that we haven't mentioned? I think uh, Alpha Tower is an absolutely brilliant shout, and I will probably go to agree with you for a little bit of variation. I think the other lineup that is very much dependent on the, let's say, the second driver of the team is Alpine. Uh, Fernando Alonso, we know that if he's even given a sniff of a top spot, the man will literally stop at nothing to make sure that he takes victory. Um, it's Esmeralda Ocon, who's got the world's longest career and will be racing in the year 3000 when. Um, busted managed to finally find out that we're underwater. Go on, busted. He will still be there going around, you know. Uh, one day when they came home, Esfeng Okong was making a funny noise. Um, what, the backyard? Anyway, yeah, in his Alpine, totally naked. Um, 
really got to know the song Ocon, for that to make sense, no, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's gone a bit weird. Um, I, think, I think Ocon can really deliver. And I think we've seen glimpses, you know, when he was uh, racing against Perez earlier on in his career, when he was the Mercedes junior driver and expected to be the one to take a step up, maybe, after the, the debacle with Verline that came along. I think if we can see that again, and he can be consistent with that level of performance, Alpine, if they've got the car... Could be a bit of a dark horse, a bit of a surprise package. So um, that would be the other one to look out for, I think. I'm going to throw one more name in the mix here in terms of a team. Um, and Harry's already jokingly mentioned them, but Haas. Um, what do you think that they could... Uh, obviously, it's going to be car dependent, as all of these lineups are going to be. But we know that in F2, Schumacher didn't have a great first year and then won, won the title in, in his second year. We know Mazepin had an awful first year in F2. And then was much better in the second year, although not quite as good as, as Schumacher, obviously. So based on their F2 records, Harry, do you think that they could actually make a step forward this year? Yeah, and I know I did joke about it, as you say, but I there's a, I think there's a genuine case for them having quite a good year. Um, I mean, A, as long as they have a car that doesn't try to kill them That's every a time they go around a start. corner. Always a good start for improvement uh, on, a, on a previous year. Um, but uh, like like you mentioned, I think Schumacher especially he's it's he's shown that sort of form throughout the junior formula. So even if you go to his F three days, his first year was 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 pretty slow, and then he started to get the hang of it almost halfway through the second year. And the same the same for F two. It's a weird pattern. So maybe it won't be until you know Silverstone or something <laughs> that we start to see real improvements. But um, yeah, I think there there is a genuine case for saying that they, those two could could be on much better form as a pairing this year the only thing I worry about is that they just keep taking each other off because yeah they should probably stop that probably just stop that um, yeah maybe hopefully if that car's more competitive they don't have just each other to race and that maybe um, alleviates that risk somewhat but um, yeah I think there is a there's a, a good case to say that they'll be you know they could be on for most improved pairing in 2022 Actually, I thought about it. I want to uh, redact my comment that they shouldn't um, take each other off. It's it's very much a week for redacting official comments, isn't it? But um, yeah, I oh topical again. We're getting topical on podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Bring politics into it. Oh, I know. Brexit, Ben. Um, I want to redact it though because it's too entertaining. Like it's too good. We can't we can't tell them to stop that. (laughs) That actually makes sense. Thank you for including that. Um, that's okay I've tried <laughs> anyway <laughs> can, uh, I, can, I, can I offer up something about Haas yeah go on then why not um, go on then it's, I think it's a 50-50 coin toss whether they both absolutely hate the new cars and go we just got used to that other one that was trying to kill us every single race and you do this to us or I think the new F1 regulations have a little bit more in common with the F2 cars that they were driving than what the previous F1 generation have. It's got less proper downforce. Um, the wheels are actually a lot similar in size in comparison. So I actually think that they could be at a little bit of an advantage by coming in and only being an F2 a year or so ago. So I think they could be very much improved if the car doesn't literally try and murder them around every single corner. So fingers crossed that they actually have some success. Even if it's just one of them gets one point at some point throughout the season... That will be good. Well done. I mean, it's a very good point, isn't it? Because out of the people in the field, Sonoda, Schumacher, Mazepin probably have the most experience on 18-inch 18 18-inch 18 wheel tyres coming yeah. from a year and F2 on them. So, um, yeah, that's, I thought that's a very good point. It hadn't even occurred to me, that one. But pass for the win then. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Constructors Championship 2022, pass. Um, Can you it... imagine if they absolutely brawn GP'd it? Hey, we, I'm here for it. If that happens, I'm pretty certain there isn't going to be a podcast that would have said it before us. So I think <laughs> we can claim that. If it doesn't happen, it. just forget it. You never when Braun did do the Braun GP thing, a podcast turned up a few years later with very similar branding and colours with a bit of a light for one of the drivers. Are we going to have competition in 10 years' time if Haas go and do a, a similar story? Uh, you, yeah. You've got to be good at something to have competition, Sam, so I think we should be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at being rubbish. <laughs> With that, let's move on. Um, we're going to stick with uh, Mercedes. Obviously, we've already discussed the Hamilton and Russell partnership a little bit. But just to look at what George Russell 
might be capable of in 2022. So he's entering a brand new situation, going up against Lewis Hamilton or Esteban Gutierrez, yet to be confirmed. <laughs> going to be a tough challenge, regardless of which one it is. So, Harry, how do you think George Russell needs to approach this year? Because you could see it from the perspective of he's probably going to be the future of Mercedes if he plays his cards right. Or should he actually be a bit more aggressive than that and, and get stuck in straight away? Um, I remember when we did the preview podcast for uh, Sakir, it must have been 2020, when Hamilton was out and Russell got the George... Russell got the George. He did. Russell got Russell the George. Got the, he sure did. He got the Mercedes, <laughs> Mercedes seat for that weekend. Um, and I think it was you, Ben, that said this is for for Bottas. It was like a lose lose situation because if he beat Russell, everyone would be like, "Well, yeah, you should have beaten Russell." If he didn't beat Russell, everyone would be like, "Well, that was rubbish, Valtteri. What were you doing?" And I think it's kind of for George. It's kind of a similar win win style situation because if he goes in this year. And, you know, somehow he beats Esteban Gutierrez. Um, Tough. Everyone's going to be like, good lord, we have a star on our hands. And if he goes in and he doesn't beat Esteban Gutierrez or, or Lewis Hamilton, I suppose, if he doesn't beat Hamilton, then everyone's going to be like, well, you know, it's his first year in F1 and that's a seven-time world champion. So so what will we? Uh, what else would we expect? So I think from that point of view, this is... Uh, this is kind of an easy year. I guess where the the only thing where pressure might come is if they are in that championship fight and he has to step up and deliver, keep delivering those points. Um, but for for Russell, I think it's this is quite a a nice situation to be in from a from a personal point of view. I think he he not that he should take it easy or anything, but I think he's he's got a nice nice situation to be in here because I think the pressure is somewhat off um, off his shoulders because. Either way, I think he, he it's a win-win situation. Sam, what do you reckon? Uh, I think he's got to absolutely go out there and just send it at every single corner. Um, and I very much am down the same way because what happened... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not that much. Um, what has he got to lose? Uh, I think it's very little. Uh, I do think there is a risk, and I'll get into that in a moment, but I don't see why he shouldn't be learning every part of that car, going into every single part of that team, taking risks, finding where his boundaries are in that car, and then learn from the seven-time world champion that's going to be sitting next to you in the garage. You've got one of the best resources of all time sat next to you. Soak it up, try everything out, see what works for you, absorb everything you can, and go out there and just... If you end up halfway through the season and you have 20 points off the top... Hello. Okay, good. Keep going. Good job. But if it turns out that actually, let's say Mercedes are the dominant force, and Hamilton, I don't know, gets to halfway through and he's 80 points clear of Russell, but Russell's still in second, no shame. No harm done there. He's still holding his own. The only risk, I think, to this kind of strategy is if Russell were to, let's say, get three quarters of the way through the season, and Mercedes do appear to have the fastest car, Hamilton's leading the championship, it's, it's all looking, you know, hunky-dory, but Russell is maybe doing what we saw previously from Albon, from Gasly in the Red Bull when he's qualifying outside the top 10, uh, or is regularly getting stuck in traffic where Hamilton is able to cut through it and is finishing 7th or 8th when Hamilton is winning a race. For me, that is where the risk comes from, because I do feel re- reputations and opinions and public speculation can very quickly turn on its head in Formula 1. He can't afford to have too many completely negative results. He's definitely allowed a couple. He's still adjusting to a different team at the top. There's a lot of pressure. But, you know, if he has five or six of them in the first nine, ten, eleven races, I think he's going to have to kind of pull it together. I don't think that will be the case. It's George Russell. He's been pretty phenomenal throughout his career. I think he'll be fine. But I do think that's the only risk he's got. Ben, what Sam, do you think? Sorry, sorry, I was going to say, can I just say I really appreciate the use of the phrase hunky-dory? It's a good one. Oh, yeah. Let's Strong get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, if I if I had any advice for George Russell, and I know he does listen to this podcast, and he is a friend of the podcast, um, you know, massively appreciate it, George. Um, and I'm going to give <laughs> this one is on the house for you, George. I'll give this one up for free. Um, That's nice. Lewis Hamilton is quite good at the F1, so you need to be careful about. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. What I would do if I was George Russell is I would boot up the old. Uh, the old VHS, um, or, you know, more modern ways of watching videos or DVDs are available. Um, Betamax. 
Yes! Let's stick with VHS. Um, and I would get the 2019 season review. Uh, very specifically that year. And very specifically the first few races of that year. And he should watch exactly what Leclerc did and look to replicate it to a T. Not sure whether it would be as simple as Leclerc made it look, but I think you should at least try and replicate it. Because Driving to everyone at Austria. Got it. Well, maybe that. Leave, leave that bit out. But a few other bits I think you should take on board. So we saw that Leclerc went into the Ferrari seat in 2019 very clearly as the number two driver. Vettel was the number one driver at the time. He'd pushed Lewis Hamilton relatively far in the two previous years. Leclerc was under no impression whatsoever. And, Le- and Russell doesn't have this same thing, but Leclerc was told he was the number two driver. And what did Leclerc do? He listened to that for all of one race. Australia, he was told to stay behind Vettel, even though he probably had the pace to catch him. He obliged because it was over P4 and he probably thought, well, two points, so what? But from race two onwards, anything like that completely went out the window because at race two, it was Bahrain. You might remember Leclerc got pole position. Vettel did get the lead from Leclerc, I think possibly into the first corner, but Leclerc had the quick, Leclerc was quicker. Uh, and he tried to, you know, he wanted to overtake Vettel. His team told him, wait a few laps and we'll manage to get that to work for you. Leclerc was like, no, mate, I'm going to do it now. And he did it. Uh, he overtook before the <laughs> no, team. Mate. I'm pretty sure that was the exact <laughs> team radio. Could be wrong. No, mate. And from that point onwards, Leclerc completely debunked the number two thing. Like He, he, he wasn't the number two driver from that point onwards. And in two short years, he managed to completely reverse the whole narrative from him being a number two driver to him being very a, a very clear number one driver and Vettel on his way out to Aston Martin. And it was always funny to see towards the end of their time at Ferrari, it'd be like, oh, the team's so unfair on Sebastian Vettel. People seeming to forget that it was completely the opposite way round two years ago. And it was actually Leclerc's pace that changed everything there at Ferrari. So... Um, Russell, I think he needs to try and do the same thing. I think he needs to get into that seat. He needs to seize the opportunity of being in a car that is probably going to be either championship uh, possible or at least race winning. I think that would probably be worst case scenario for Mercedes. There's no time like the present. You never know what's around the corner as a racing driver. So um, I think he's just got to go for it. And I think the key will be qualifying. We know that uh, Russell's very good in qualifying. You could point to Lewis Hamilton's record number of pole positions and say, well, he can race on a Saturday as well. And you might be right, but I actually think Hamilton is more vulnerable on a Saturday than he is on a Sunday. Bottas got closer to Hamilton a lot more times than Perez got closer to Verstappen. So I think there's scope for Russell. I think there's scope for Russell to be right there in qualifying. He needs to seize the initiative early on. If he is conservative if he allows Lewis Hamilton to dictate things that's where it gets tricky because we saw what happened to Bottas he never escaped that number two box that he created for himself George Russell can't allow himself in that same situation I don't think he will um, so I think he needs to attack from the start Yuki Sonoda style I love the idea of Charles Leclerc just walking into Ferrari just coming in hot with the Uno reverse card right onto the desk like Charles, you're number two driver. Oh, Uno reverse card! Number one driver now, baby. Vettel's so annoyed he's just used his plus four card the previous turn. <laughs> <laughs> Bonotto's there like, what are we playing? <laughs> <laughs> the mechanics are like, can we help with this? Well, maybe. maybe Please not. don't. Please Probably don't. Not. How to ruin a game of Uno. Get the Ferrari mechanics on it. Uno! Oh, that is enough Ferrari slander for one podcast. It's too much. Yeah, I, th- I think we've probably reached our limit there. Um, and we'll move on to what we uh, something we brand new we introduced this week. Um, we decided that democracy is good. Um, so in our Discord, okay. in our Discord channel, uh, we introduced the idea of putting two topics side by side and letting you, the people, vote which one you'd like us to discuss. And we did that. Uh, throughout today um, and the topic that one of the two that we put in there was talking about Carlos Sainz uh, and whether Red Bull wasted their opportunity for such a great driver Do, do does the previous two seasons particularly prove that Red Bull really messed up the whole Sainz deal Sam what's your thoughts on it 
it's, it's definitely not an easy answer. I think you could look at it very, very plainly and just go, well, yeah, Carlos Sainz beat Charles Leclerc last season. Look at him now. He beat Lando Norris as well. Look at him now. You know, he's definitely doing very well. I rate Carlos Sainz very highly. Um, I think he was one of the best drivers of the season last year. But is it that black and white? Is it that obvious for Red Bull and what they need to do to make sure that their race team has the best possible talent at the right time and gets itself you know, to the top spot, as it finally did again last season? Um, it's really tough. You've got to remember that when Max Verstappen was promoted to, to that team, to partner alongside uh, another driver, we won't bother naming him, um, you know, Carlos Sainz wasn't exactly too far behind. Sorry, Harry, that tickled you? Um... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't exactly too far behind uh, Max Verstappen in the points. He wasn't being exactly showing up. It wasn't an embarrassment at all. You argue that the talent was already being shown. You argue the talent was already there and that Sykes was putting in the performances required. Um, was he initially going to be a, a world champion if you were to look at him and that? Possibly not. But you only need one world champion really in each team. You need a really solid number two to get you those second place of those points and you need a world champion. Look at Ferrari in the early 2000s, right? Rubens Barrichello, the absolute perfect number two. He literally loved Michael Schumacher, and those two together created a brilliant partnership that saw one person deliver the wins and one deliver second place. And I'd argue Red Bull probably did the same with Max Verstappen in their arsenal. Um, but at that point, you go, we've got a wealth of talent around. We've got the likes of Daniel Ricciardo just sitting here. Well, he's not going anywhere. Because Daniel Ricciardo, at that point in, in life, could have been a world champion, right? People looked to him and thought, you could be the next best thing. And Verstappen might not be there at that point. So it's hard to sit there and go, you know what, Ricardo, Kvyat, all the other people in the uh, in that generation of Red Bull, see you later, Carlos Sainz is coming through. So, do I think they've messed up? No. Do I think they missed out on Carlos Sainz and what he's now? Yeah, I do. I think Carlos Sainz has matured into a brilliant driver, one of the best on the grid, and he's... He's done both himself proud at McLaren and now at Ferrari, and I think he's a real, he's a real treat. He's a real, you know, virtue to the teams that he drives for. They should hang on to him. They shouldn't throw him away. Do they know that when he's a very young man in a backmarker team? No, it's one of those decisions you have to make, and they made it, and they haven't really lost out too much for the the process. They've had to buy in Sergio Perez, but um, I, I think I think they've done okay for it. So I don't think it's a massive mistake. I do think that they. They missed out, like I said, but I don't think it's the end of the world for him. Harry, do you think it was a massive mistake? Uh, one thing I wanted to ask, actually, is something I can't remember. Did did when Carlos went off to Renault in late 2017, because he, he switched midway through the year, did he ask to leave, or did they, they just shove him out? Was it more of a oh, Carlos he, asking he asked to, leave. to leave, I think. Asked to leave, right, fine. And I understand why... Because, you know, as Sam said, back in that at that point, it didn't really look like Ricardo was going anywhere. They had Verstappen, you know, arguably Red Bull had probably one of the most prom- promising lineups on the grid. Um, so maybe that was a mistake slightly from from Carlos's side. And, you know, I, arguably Red Bull could have said, no, Sunshine, you're not going anywhere. And that's on them as well. But, but you know, a year and a half later and... He was, I think, he was easily in that second seat when Ricardo decided to up and leave, um, and instead they had to go for Gasly, who who obviously was not ready. And we've spoken about how they've had to bring up these drivers who are not ready for the for the top team: Gasly, Albon, arguably Kvyat, um, and it's really hurt Red Bull, and that's why they've had to go for the likes of Perez. So, yeah, I don't think the the blame lies entirely at Red Bull's door on this one. I think. Uh, and, I, and as I said, I can understand why why Sainz wanted to leave, why he went off to Renault. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's I mean, such a, you can't tell the future. So obviously, Sainz felt that it was the best deal for him to leave that Red Bull program. Another year and a half, would it have made any difference than that year and a half of Renault? I don't know, but I think he would have been more in line for that Red Bull seat. So I'm not blaming it entirely on him because I think Red Bull could have tried harder to keep him around. Um, you know, he's had, he's had, he had a couple of dodgy years at Renault and I think his stock when he off, went off to McLaren in 2019 was, was low and he's had to build it, rebuild it again. So, yeah, it, it is quite a tricky one to answer because, as Sam said, when you look at the face of it, Signs just beat Leclerc, Red Bull, 
must be kicking themselves, but I don't think necessarily that is actually actually the case. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure maybe they look back and think what what could have been there, but I don't think maybe there's a huge amount of regrets. One final thing before Ben, you jump in, where I'm sure some very very good points. Um, Ricardo obviously only left Red Bull because Sykes moved to McLaren, right? Like it was a domino effect. So theoretically, it was, wasn't it the other way around? Didn't. Was it the other way around? I think Sainz got kicked out for Ricardo, which is even more of a kicker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Basically, Sorry, Carlos. Carlos. it's all Daniel Ricardo's fault. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> what a pleb. All right, then. Pleb. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, I, I, I think with, again, I agree with what you've said. It's easy to say these things in hindsight, but... Even so, I, I, I'm going to be fairly critical of Red Bull here because I think they could have managed this situation better. Um, and yes, Carlos Sainz's best work has definitely come in probably the last year. Uh, but uh, no, I'd say the last two years. You know, he, he's been pretty good um, ever since he joined McLaren, really. Uh, but the signs were there, to use a pun. The signs were there oh, when he was there in Toro. Love so, that. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, he did a job on Danny Kvyat. Oops. <laughs> he did a serious job on Danny Kavia and he was again again he wasn't the color signs we know now back in 2017 but I think at that point they knew they got themselves a pretty good driver there's a great dollop of irony in all this in that Gasly and Albon they didn't give them the appropriate time in Toro Rosso before elevating them to the lead team the one driver they did give the appropriate time in Toro Rosso Carlos Sainz they didn't end up using like there's, there's a huge dollop of irony in that, considering how good he's done over the last few years. Um, even so, I don't think Gasly underperforming or Albon underperforming are uh, indications that uh, Red Bull failed. What's an indication that Red Bull failed is the fact that they had to go outside of their program and get Sergio Perez. I believe it's the first time they went outside of their program to get someone in since Mark Webber, which was a long time ago now. So they they broke what has been generally their policy. And the only reason they had to do so is because of failures on their part. And I think if Carlos Sainz is in that spot, they don't need to they don't need to look around for Sergio Perez. Then they've got someone settled in by that point. For me, the main fault for Red Bull was actually related to, again, it's your fault, Daniel Ricciardo. They needed to be more on the ball with what Daniel Ricciardo was looking to do in terms of his happiness with the team, in terms of his willingness to sign on for more years. Because Ricciardo was doing a great job for uh, for Red Bull, as was Verstappen at the time. But they should have been more on the pulse in terms of, is this guy going to leave? We all remember when he did make that decision to go off to Renault, it was a pretty massive shock. Not only to people watching the sport, but also Red Bull themselves. I remember Christian Horner being incredibly surprised at the decision in the summer break when that happened. What they needed to... If they were aware that he might leave, you pray with Carlos Sainz, stick around for one more year. Because if he does end up going, you've got the spot. If he doesn't end up going, you're free, do whatever you want. We can't keep you here forever. I think at that point you've got an easy decision one way or the other if you're Carlos Sainz. But because they weren't aware enough of what Ricardo might end up doing, they didn't give themselves the opportunity and Ricardo leaves and suddenly they have to prepare they sorry they have to elevate an underprepared Pierre Gasly and you know it's all sort of gone from that point onwards. Um so yeah again it's easy to say in retrospect but I I would just close off with this one last question which is would a partnership of Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz have won the 2021 Constructors Championship uh, I believe the answer is yes, yes. in, yes, in which 100%. case and again you would have to play hypotheticals of you know Sainz being in that seat for multiple years and would anything have gone wrong between Verstappen and Sainz who typically don't have a great relationship I, I get all of that but just a pure question of would that partnership have won? I think they would have done. So I, I think there is there are lessons to be learned from Red Bull's perspective on this one. Should we run through the alphabet? Go on then. Oh, it's basically a 50-50 game that I get wrong every single time. These aren't 50... Well, there might be one 50-50 in there, but they're not... They're not 50-50s for the... Yeah, we'll soon see if you get that one. Um, I like this jingle. I like this jingle. Let's give it a play. 
A to K, K to Z. Well, what could the answer be? Time to play Formula One. Alpha Betty. Beautiful. That is Sam and Harry Productions coming together brilliantly once again. Those like a like a tornado of sound. <laughs> yes, love that. <laughs> so last time out, you managed to draw. Uh, when you played F1 higher and lower, which means mm. Harry still leads on the year 1-0 thanks to his win on F1 Order Please. Uh, you might remember Sam finished on negative points on that one. So this is Sam's can't opportunity. Can't I start with a free point? It feels harsh. No, you can't. Um, but this is your opportunity <laughs> to get back to one all with F1 alphabetic. Right. Um, if you haven't listened to this segment before, uh, I've got 10 letters of the alphabet. They all stand for some sort of word that these guys don't yet know. Uh, they will take it in turns to pick letters and there will be a question associated with the category that I will tell them. Um, and the most points wins. So we are actually going from A to J today. We're New year, new start. We're going to go right to the beginning of the alphabet. So any letter a to J. from A to J. Um, and as defending champion from two games ago, Harry, I will give you the opportunity to go first. I'll go for A, please. Go for oh, the... Ben, quick question. Go on. If, are we doing the rule of if he gets it wrong, I can steal it, or does that not apply in this game? No stealing in this game. Although, you know, you can still give it a go and see you know, for your own pride. Thievery. Yeah, no, no thievery allowed in this one. Okay, so A stands for Alban. Alex Alban, you might have heard of him, uh, F1 racer. How many podiums does he have, Harry? He has got two. He has got two. Very well done. Ooh. Harry is on the board. <laughs> hey, you, you, you might like this next one, Sam. Who knows? What letter do you want? B, please. This isn't the 50-50. Oh, yes! Uh, B stands for Belgium. I want you to tell me which circuit hosted the Belgian Grand Prix ten times between 1973 and 1984. Uh, I have to pick a certain circuit. Yes, which circuit? Um... Oh, this came up in um, another one we did, and I got it wrong. Uh, Is it Zolder? It is Zolder. Well done. Yeah! My incorrectness previously has helped me! Well done. Never make the same mistake <laughs> twice. Well, this is a this is a great start. One question each, you've both got a point. It can only go downhill from there. Harry, any letter between C and J? C, please. Prove it to be very exciting, guys. Um <laughs> C stands for crash. Um, so the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix is obviously very well known because it featured the Roman Grosjean crash. Um, but can you tell me who crashed on lap one of the restart? Um, I remember this because it was frightening at the time. Uh, old Lancy boy ended up on his roof. He did. Um, it's a bit of a weird one in that most people don't remember that. Um, Why well, was the le- the, le- the less dramatic one? Even though he literally flipped yeah. over. Was it the hairpin? Was it like turn eight? I think it was. Yeah, you might be right on that. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it's a very a odd Kavir, one. Kavir dive bomb, or was it just unfortunate? Yeah, I can't remember now. Oh, it was Kavir dive bomb. Danny. Ah, Danny. Um, cool. So, C's in the books. Sam, what letter do you want? E. Oh, interesting. Spice I know, that's why I've done it. I've rattled you. What I've thrown a cap at you in the cooldown room. <laughs> He's absolutely done it. <laughs> e E stands for engine. Uh, most teams right, m- most teams use one, Haas being the only exception. Um, so yeah. McLaren had yeah. highly successful stints with Honda. And Mercedes, yeah. they used Honda engines from 1988 to 1992, and then they used Mercedes engines from 1995 all the way to 2014. Between those yeah. two highly successful stints, they had a few iffy years between 92 and 95, where they used two different engine manufacturers. Can you tell me either of them? 
Ford. Ford is one of them. Well done. Yes, I am on it today. Can you tell me who, what the other one was? Out of interest, either of you? Uh, I'll take a punt and say Rango. Harry? Any idea? God, no, I know he's already said Ford. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Peugeot was the other one. Oh, I was never getting Peugeot. that. Peugeot! Yeah. Bloody Peugeot! Ford in 93 and then Peugeot in 94. Then they picked up Mercedes and they did a few good things with them. So, E, yeah, that's right, in the books. Um, Harry, scores two all. What one would you like next? Could I have a D, please? Ugh, uh, boring. Sam, you've played a blinder here because by not following the streak, you've managed to avoid the true or false question. <laughs> What is today? What a day this is. Uh, this is true or false, Harry. Uh, D stands for Denmark. Three. All right. Uh, that is true, by the way. That's not the question. D definitely does stand for Denmark. Um, Denmark has hosted... True or false? Denmark has hosted one Grand Prix. True or false? Um, I'm glad I didn't get this. No idea. False. Sam, what you what would you have gone for out of interest? Oh, you can mug me off, Ben. I probably said true, just for fun. <laughs> well, that is very much 50-50 because it is, of course, false. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Denmark has never hosted a Grand Prix. Five left. Anything from F down to J, Sam. Which one would you like? I. I. Oh, this uh, is your favourite driver. Good old Jackie Hicks. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> In the Williams! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, controversy. Um, so, Jackie Hicks finished runner-up yeah. in the Drivers' Championship twice. Uh, can you name either of the teams that he did it with? Oh, God! <laughs> was it Williams? <laughs> Oh, please let it be Williams. Uh... Am I allowed a clue? Can you be nice? Um, Okay, both of these teams raced in the 1960s and 1970s. Um, 1969 and 1970 were the years he did it. I'll, I'll give you that clue. I can't really think that he raced for two teams and <laughs> Williams is one of them. Um, Brabham as the other team that I'm aware of that he raced for. So you turned down Williams for Brabham and we're just confirming that. Williams is a meme. It's a meme, okay? So it's not if Williams. That, if it's Williams, I'm leaving, the, I'm leaving the recording if it's Williams. I will leave the recording if he's done it with Williams. Brabham is a correct answer. Well done. Um, yes! <laughs> 1969 was uh, Brabham and then he did it with Ferrari in 1970 nice oh I didn't know he got run out with Ferrari go on Jackie yeah good effort Jackie mate um, <laughs> good effort good effort <laughs> top, top job we've got four left and unbelievably all six have been answered correctly to this point so Harry you Bad can have now. F G H or J I'll go for H please H for Harry surely he's going to work right shocker shocker uh H stands for helmet, as in M-E-T, rather, <laughs> you are one. rather than M-U-T, uh, just to be clear on that one. Helmet. Helmet, Helmet. yes. Uh, this is a uh, finish, finish the quote question, actually. So this is from Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, this is what he said. The helmet Wasn't has a long. special meaning for many drivers. Uh, sorry, the this is the interview question. The question is, the helmet has a special meaning for many drivers. How important is it to you? What was Kimi Raikkonen's answer to that question? Does he say it just protects my head? It protects my head is the correct answer. Yeah. Think of the most simple answer yeah. ever and you'll get a Kimi answer. Wow. Yep. It was either going to be it protects my head or it isn't. It's going to be that was a 50 50, I feel. <laughs> the helmet has a special meaning for many drivers. How important is it to you? It protects my head. Oh, Kimmy. F, G, or J? Sam, which one would you like? 
I'll go F, please. All right. F stands for Ferrari. No. Uh, and you'll be happy this one Jackie X is one of your favourite drivers this one trumps even Jackie X because uh, <laughs> rumour has it uh, you were held by this guy at one point uh, <laughs> unconfirmed Eddie Irvine he won th- Eddie! he won three races for Ferrari in 1999 can you name one of them oh no I can't um, genuinely can't Let's go for Spa. He did not win Spa, I'm afraid. Did not win Spa. Bloody Eddie didn't whisper it in my ear, did he? <laughs> Come on, Ed. this is on Eddie, not on you, Sam. Um, Harry, could you have named any? He won the 1999 German Grand Prix. Poor Mika Salo's never got over it. He did win the German Grand Prix after Mika Salo had to move out of the way for him. Oh, poor Mika. Uh, the other two, uh, the Australian Grand Prix won the season opener um, and he also won the Austrian Grand Prix in a battle against DC, Sam's other favourite driver. Wings at every race around Belgium, essentially. Um, Australia yeah, Australia's right next door, close. mate. Yeah. <laughs> but Austria and Germany are, you bloody idiots. Australia definitely isn't. Ignore that one. Ignore ignore that one. (laughs) I know that. Ignore that one. Uh, Were you part of the decision to make uh, Australia part of the Eurovision Song Contest? I was the only person they asked. I said, isn't that right extra Belgium? He's like, oh yeah, he's onto something, eh? Let's put him in. (laughs) Harry, you can wrap up the win if you can get this next one right, but is it G or J you're going for? I'll go for G, please. G. G stands for Janae. Mark Janae. Oh, Marky boy. Yeah. Uh, Janae raced Janae. 36 times uh, between 1999 and 2004, and he raced for two teams. I'd, I need you to name both of them. Oh. Forrest Gump. Little whippersnapper. Um, one of them is Williams, Correct. I believe. And what were the years? when uh, Between when 1999 were... and 2004. I don't know. He, the other one was um, Minardi. Oh, he's plucked it out of thin air. Shit. It oh, is actually Minardi. I'm sick of this. I'm afraid, regardless of what happens in this final question, Sam, it is, uh, it is game over. Harry's managed to nail five out of five today, but... Jay is the Irvine's fault. Jay is for Jeddah. Um, oh, that's relatively modern. Yes, it is. It's near Belgium, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Spa and Jeddah basically you know, attach onto one another. It's great. Um, Belgium's huge. <laughs> how many cars <laughs> retired from the 2021 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to say six cars retired. It's a good guess. Five. Oh. Oh. Uh, They were... One off, just like my chances to win anything in life. Mick Schumacher, um, which kind of kicked off all the carnage that ensued as a result of that. Um, Russell, Mazepin, Perez all got caught up in the uh, incident after the safety car. And Vettel was just a bit of a pinball machine all day. And he retired as well. So... Well, do you say Mazepin then? Yeah, he retired, didn't he? Yeah, did you? I thought he didn't say it. Oh yeah, I just yeah, remember sorry. him smashing into the back of um, Latifi. Yeah. So, Harry, very well done. Another win for you. I'm sick of it. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, headphone users. This is why, Harry is throwing away the wing. This is why you can't. Uh, you can't have more than one person <laughs> on the soundboard. Sorry, sorry. Go, go with, go with the jingle. All right, I'll go with the jingle. A to K, K to Z. Well, what could the answer be? Time to play Formula One. Alpha Betty. Should we come back next week? Uh, nah. All right. Well, that's the end of the podcast, then, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been fun. 
I reckon we'll be back with another episode next week. Um, but until then, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, can you pinpoint where Belgium is on the world map? Let me know. Everywhere. Um, everywhere. <laughs> There's a bit of Belgium. Um, there'll always be Belgium. Anyway, folks, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Um, thank you for the support in the off-season, by the way. You are absolutely smashing the listens, the downloads. Just a fun fact for you. We've had more listens in January than we got in October. And October was a very good month for us. So you are having a lovely time. And so are we. So that's good. Uh, if you'd like to join in further, Discord. Loads of people in there now. We did another quiz that Ben ran. It was very good. Me and Harry won. You know who led that team. Um... They called me Sammy Fastfingers because I just had to choose the answers. Whoa, they definitely um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, come and join us over on Twitter, uh, at our breaking, Instagram, late breaking. Please get involved. All the socials if you just want to have a little chat some more. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Anything going on next week, Ben, that I need to mention specifically? Nah. nah. Good. All right, folks. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Sammy Fastfingers. Ah, remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Where is Belgium? <laughs>